I am very excited and delighted to tell you that your chronic illness ally is once again enrolling. If you're new around here, your chronic illness ally is the supportive home, the program, the community and the coaching space for you to learn how to reframe the role that your chronic illness plays in your life. It guides you off of that conveyor belt of constantly trying to fix and heal your chronic illness and teaches you how to tap into the wisdom of your body that's being communicated via your chronic illness so that you can channel it, channel that wisdom, channel that intelligence into living the big, beautiful life you dream about. If you enjoy this podcast, you will certainly love your chronic illness ally. There is a link to it in the show notes, but let me tell you, the funnest way to learn more about it is to do my quiz. And once you've done that, pop your email in at the end to learn more. And then sit back as I help you explore your unique support style, which will help you make an informed choice about whether your chronic illness ally is a hell yes fit for you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Reframing Chronic Illness podcast, the place to listen to, think about and question the common narrative that surrounds what life with a chronic illness should, quote unquote, look like according to the status quo and mainstream society. Moving away from the fix, reject, fight, resist narrative, you'll find conversations about how chronic illness can be your guide, ally and superpower. It's my belief that chronic illness serves a purpose. No, not the inexplicable thorn in our sides we've been conditioned to see chronic illness as. (laughs) This podcast and my work as a coach is all about helping you explore that purpose and opening yourself up to the idea that your chronic illness can lead you towards a more joyful, peaceful, healing and fulfilled life. I'm Alana Holloway, chronic illness coach, and I am back with the final episodes of season two, where I'm going to be bringing you some wonderful guests to close off what has been a wonderful season. Today's episode is with the wonderful Leslie Asari, a British Ghanaian artist, somatic coach, mentor and Tamalpa teacher training graduate. She creates solo and collaborative work and wholeheartedly believes in the healing power of the creative process. Her work explores identity, personal histories and the experiences of black people. Through her work and through the spaces she holds, she aims to create the space for play, stillness, self-reflection, self-discovery, empowerment, transformation and healing. Leslie's beautiful description of how we can approach the journey of self-discovery and exploration is an example of how we can move through the healing journey from many different angles, not always needing to do something with the learnings, but feeling comfortable with simply being able to sit with the wisdom of our bodies. It's such a comforting episode and it felt like a big warm hug. Leslie's story about ancestral and familial wisdom and how her exploration of her body inspired change. It brought a tear to my eye. Towards the end of the episode, you'll also be able to join in on a short and sweet guided mindfulness practice that Leslie just dropped in. Now, there was unfortunately a bit of a connection glitch and at times the sound goes a bit funny. 
but you can understand everything that's said and what Leslie has to offer in this episode makes the glitch fade into the background. It brought to the forefront um, what I was carrying in my body, um, the experiences and the memories that were mine. Um, And also it helped me distinguish what wasn't mine and Mm -hmm. what didn't serve me anymore. And then also allowed me to find a way to release those things through somatic movement. I just want to let you know that I will be hosting a chronic illness informed co-planning session. That was a bit of a mouthful on the 30th of March. It's a part of my The Magic of Chronic Illness Informed Planning programme. And if you're already in it, then you will get access to this co-planning session. But if you're not, just head over to my website, check it out and see if it's something that feels good to you. It's about way more than just plopping things in a calendar. It explores and addresses the single story that people with chronic illness can't plan or can't stick to plans and looks at how you can use planning as a tool for healing. Hey, Leslie. Hi, Alana. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me. It is um, seven o'clock. So thank you for taking time out of your evening to speak to me and share some of your wisdom with my listeners. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) Oh, I'm delighted, delighted to have you. (laughs) Um, Leslie, I, we've spoken a bit before uh, this recording, uh, but to let everybody listening know, I first came across your work on Instagram, the place that I come across so many people. Um, and there was a video of you. You're going to describe this in better words than I am, but um, it was this <laughs> expressive movement which turned into art. And it was just this creation of this piece that I was like, I mean, I don't think the piece was the was the part was the thing. It was it was more the the movement and the kind of expression that was the thing. But the piece was beautiful at the end as well. And it reminded me so <laughs> much. <laughs> it reminded me so much of. Um, I was really really lucky to have some very expressive teachers in school I studied performing arts and drama and art very like creative subjects and (laughs) yeah my um my teachers for performing arts and drama really let us kind of tune into our bodies and express through movement sound dance and it took me back there and it was watching you took me back there and it was just it really connected me to how that felt to be able to almost tune out um, that cognition and 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 busy thoughts and really just tune into your body and let go. And I'd love for you to speak about how how you got into that, what it means to you, um, how you do it, all sorts. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> okay thank you so much for sharing how you um, aligned with my work I always find it interesting just how people connect because I don't feel like I'm really you know I don't really promote myself that much so when Mm -hmm. people um, align with me I believe it's because we are to align for whatever reason so anyway um, (laughs) about my journey so I have been I have been creative for as long as I can remember, as cliche as it is to say, (laughs) but I um, distinctly remember around eight years old, um, feeling like creating and having such like freedom in it, but then having a dream. um, And in that dream, it was kind of like I was guided and instructed that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I guess consciously or subconsciously all of my decisions to get me where I am right now has been influenced by that dream in a way (gasps) wow (laughs) um but I yeah but I um I studied creative subjects for my GCSEs I think I did 
um well not well GCSEs but then also A levels yeah I think for A level I did art art product design um performing arts and um English literature Uh and that led me to go on to uh, study costume design at university. Wow. From costume design on the BA, I then went to study on the MA. And the MA was all about creating performances using costumes that transformed to tell <gasps> a story. Okay. So it was kind of like visual theatre uh-huh. where words weren't really involved, but it was about the transformation of these costumes. And I think from that, I was really passionate about people's stories, my stories, others, the stories of others, and finding creative ways to express that. I'm taking you through the whole journey. No, so no, this is great because I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you're taking me back. So I, I love this. <laughs> I bet you were like, where is this leading to? No, not at I'm all. <laughs> no, I get it. My journey is equally as like that. Yeah. <laughs> like so windy you're like where did it yeah okay so (laughs) um where did I get to so costume costumes transforming so then after that I was a part of um a performance collective that created stories using organic materials and it was really about being in the earth being in nature Mm. Uh, we created performances through beach roots soil water fire um, exp- explorations with these materials and then also like flour milk um, turmeric like yeah so there wow. were a load of different things that we explored um, and through all of this my artistic practice was also um, developing evolving I was a painter sculptor um, I performed created these costumes yes yeah, so it was really multidisciplinary in that nature yeah um, and then I got to a point where I was like I want to find a way to use art as a tool for healing Uh because I knew of its therapeutic benefits for me in the process of creating and in the process of, um, yeah, just making things and collaborating with people. And I was like, there has to be a way for people to use this to heal themselves or at least to become more aware of themselves. And um, that's when I kind of came across like art therapy and dance and movement psychotherapy, drama therapy, music therapy, all of these different disciplines. But my frustration was that I had to kind of pick a lane Mm -hmm. when in my toolbox, I felt like I had all of these uh, varied mediums that I thought was amazing. Because if I meet someone that isn't necessarily... Um, a painter they can write or they can sculpt something so I really needed a container that allowed me to do all of these things and I think it was about in 2016 when my best friend contacted me and she was like I found the perfect course for you you've (laughs) got to go and try it like they have like a um, an experience weekend where you can get a taste of what they're doing you have to go and this course was um, held by Tamalpa UK Mm-hmm. And Tamalpa is an organization that creates um, a training program, but also facilitates workshops for people to explore themselves through somatic movement, um, but then also the expressive arts. So it's focused in the movement, but it also allows you to explore yourselves and your personal mythologies through drawing, writing, discussion. It was just everything when I heard it when I read it I was like (laughs) I have to go (laughs) so then after that um after that after that weekend I enrolled into the level one training and the level one training was a year-long journey in which we um, went down to Sandgate in Kent uh, for a long weekend once a month and with each month of this level one training we um, got to explore ourselves through different body parts so I think there were Mm. about seven different body parts we began with our spine then it was our head then our shoulders arms and hands Uh, then it moved to our rib cage pelvis abdomen and then legs and feet Uh Um, and then 
like through journeying through all of these body parts, we got to tune into our inner wisdom and we got to become aware of what these body parts have to say. Mm -hmm. um, after that, those seven months, we had a weekend in nature. So exploring movement and the body in nature. And then the last, I think, four months of the course were about creating this massive um, life-size, I guess, portrait that kind of brought all of the key learnings through the journey that we've been through. Um, yeah, brought them together, kind mm -hmm. of like um, tied them together and also dreamed into the, we were able to dream into the future about what we want to bring to these body parts through this uh, large self-portrait. Um, so yeah, that experience completely changed my life. <laughs> It brought me right. so much awareness or it brought to the forefront um, what I was carrying in my body, um, the experiences and the memories that were mine. Um, and also it helped me distinguish what wasn't mine and mm -hmm. what didn't serve me anymore. And then also allowed me to find a way to release those things through somatic movement. Um, and just to clarify, somatic movement is simply movement that allows us to tune inward. The soma is defined as um, the living organism in its wholeness. So somatic movement allows us to turn our gaze inward, to explore our life experiences, um, and to kind of express, release, explore all of these things for healing. Because mm -hmm. I know sometimes, just wanted to um, define that, because I know sometimes when we hear somatic movement, we're like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> so this is just like a, yeah, a, a, a simple way that I relate to it and, and um, yeah, uh, yeah, relate to it within my work. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's how I started working with this work. Um, and then to connect to the piece of work that you saw on Instagram mm -hmm. and that led you to my work. After the level one training, I took a year's break to kind of just let all of the learning integrate and yeah. settle and for me to decide whether I wanted to um, develop my training and take on the level two or whether I wanted to get into a different type of training. Mm -hmm. um, in that year's break though, I wanted to keep practicing the tools and keep practicing this way of working so that it wasn't something that was amazing for a moment and then it's just completely left. Um, so I guess in a way I began to embody this life art process because that's something that is key within Tamalpa that the things that we explore creatively are, can be used as transformational tools in our lives. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, the Body Arcana uh, series of work, I guess, is what was birthed out of this time of reflection and integration. And within these, um, within these ritual performances, I explore what's alive within my body. So before the performance, I'll kind of create a little, a few prompts to guide a movement section. And these prompts are usually read out by a dear friend or a dear, my sister. Mm -hmm. And they hold the space of the performance and they are just gently offering these prompts as I explore the answers to the questions through my body. Yeah. Um, and that exploration that lasts about 30, 40 minutes um, then culminates in the drawing of a symbol um, and this symbol that is recorded on the paper is something that connects to the learning or the wisdom that I've gained through my body, through the movement exploration. Um, and I never know what is going to emerge. Yeah. <laughs> People often ask me, they're like, oh, yeah, did you, did you, did you plan this? I'm like, no, no, <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, and I guess that's why I see them as rituals as opposed to like theatre performances or anything like that, a theatre performance, because it is sacred in that manner. And I yeah. guess the intention of those pieces is to invite people to tune into their bodies and begin to ask questions about 
what what wisdom do, do their bodies hold so yeah that's um so that's tying the how I got into the work linking it to how you found me and then I guess following um the year that I took out I then decided to delve into the level two training um, that was all about developing skills as an embodied leader um, to think about the spaces we want to offer for our communities um, uh -huh. and people that we want to work with. So that was kind of more about becoming this embodied leader. Um, yeah. yeah. So I guess I want to, I want to pause there because I know <laughs> I've spoken so much. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> I hope that gives you a, a it really does. insight to the journey. Yeah, that, thank Great. you for sharing that with me. That That's beautiful to listen to. And I mean, firstly, I just want to go on that training. It sounds incredible. <laughs> you should. You should. I'm the biggest advocate for it. Yes. So please do. Oh, I will sounds... share details, whatever please. you need. <laughs> yeah, and I will link to them in the show notes because they just sound, it sounds like so much of what is needed in like getting out of your head and into your body and I loved how you described working through each body part and seeing what was yours and what wasn't yours. And, and I just, I almost feel as you were talking about it, like a release is needed. And it's mm. like, I feel that like within my body and I'm interested to know in your, in your role as a leader and, and in holding space for others, what, what is um, perhaps, how does that play out? Because I know when I, uh, you know, in, in recent years, I've thought, do you know, I need, I feel the need to be creative right now in, in, in a form of, I don't know, art of some sort, expression, but there's this kind of like thought that I need to create something. I need to have a, a finished thing, uh, you know, when I come to the end of it, you know, and it's like, and as you were saying, you know when you were doing your body arcana series it was it wasn't even about like the creating of the thing it was the it was the ritual um what do you find is that people kind of find most difficult about seeing it as a ritual rather than a I need to create something here like do you mm -hmm. find that there's a, there's a, a block I don't quite like the word block but do you find there's a block there well, I find that like we all have we all have our stuff, right? Like from childhood or mm. wherever, like we might have been really we we might have found art really challenging or didn't really resonate with it. So often people, um, when I'm doing the introduction to the workshop and I'm sharing the modalities that we're going to be moving through and how the session's going to flow, I often see people kind of tense up when they hear the word <laughs> like drawing. They're like mm. <laughs> <laughs> or for some for other people it's like they tense up at movement and mm -hmm. and um I think it all comes from our personal challenges or things that have been said to us in the past about what these things are and what they need to be mm -hmm. but with that in the invitation of um in the welcoming circle of my all of my sessions it doesn't matter if it's online it doesn't matter if it's in person one-to-one -one, um I invite each person to kind of let go of that because there's no expectation in this space mm. um all of the drawings that we do they are things that allow us to record the wisdom that we've connected to from within mm -hmm. or they they are tools to support our journey they're not going to be hung in a gallery there is no <laughs> expectation for them to be like pristine award-winning <laughs> pieces mm. of art and um, likewise with our movement our movement isn't to be on, you know, like a ballet stage or anything like that, but it's about tuning in to the wisdom that lies within. Yeah. And when we're able to drop out of our heads and drop into the body, we are then guided from within. And though those concerns may be present in the beginning, by the end, um, most often they are completely forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> because the... The body guides, the body guides and the body navigates. So, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I hope that answers your question. But that's what I've noticed in the sessions yeah. and any, in any space that I hold, really. Yeah. Mm. 
It does. It does answer my question. And it made me think about, I think, so much of the time when we come to do this, like, whether it be practice or a ritualistic thing or anything that asks us, in fact, to listen, there's there's a bit of a resistance there because it's like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready to listen. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm ready to hear. And, and that can mm-hmm. feel really scary. Mm-hmm. I think what is supportive in this work or in, in any kind of work where you're asked to listen is to is the reassurance that there is no expectation of what needs to happen. Because mm. um, I think sometimes people feel like, oh, if I become aware of this thing, I've got to do something with it. And, uh-huh. and yes, that, that, that is part of the journey. But I think um, in my own practice and in my own experience of observing others, what makes this journey of self-awareness and self-reflection so beautiful is that we can wear different hats. Um, on one day, we can just be like an astronomer observing what's present, what's alive, but at a distance. Um, other days, we want to be a scientist. We want to kind of understand why, where does this come from? How is this working? And do all of these experiments. We can also be like um, a discoverer who is like actively seeking for these things. And it's like a revelation when these things are found, you know? Um, Sometimes we're archaeologists and we're looking into the past and looking through like ancestral family wisdom. So there's so many hats we can we can wear when we are um, exploring ourselves. And I mean, other times we can just be like seeds being um, grounded in the earth or like a boy floating in water. We can just be present with what is or be present with the body present with the breath we don't always have to do something about it um because sometimes the things that we discover we may need support to do something mm-hmm. with them if that makes sense so yeah i think what i like to encourage um my mentees at school my um participants in my workshops my friends my family like is just to allow whatever hat you want to wear on that day to land and just always trust that any connection with the body brings a result even if it's not a conscious thing that you are actively working with Um, but just by tuning inwards by breathing by connecting to the breath there are physiological mental emotional benefits Um, even if it doesn't feel like you're you're actively doing something so yeah, that's what I just wanted to offer in relation to that, if um, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Total sense. And I mean, people can't see me right now, but my smile couldn't get any wider. <laughs> when you were talking about that, I was like, oh, my cheeks have reached capacity. <laughs> Those analogies are amazing. I love them. I love them. And that idea of, of all those different hats and like, to who we are you know in in that moment I just love that it's like no today I'm gonna be the astronomer today you know and today I'm just gonna like observe and mm-hmm. that yeah because that I think there's there is this um oh, I don't know if it's a pressure or whatever to that so many of the people I work with feel that when they know something they have to do something with it and it's like oh my God, you've just discovered this new thing, like Mm -hmm. sit with it. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's going to be like nooks and crannies within that new thing, you know, that Mm -hmm. don't rush, don't rush forward. It's not always Mm -hmm. about like so often this journey of healing can be thought of as a race rather than Mm -hmm. an experience. Yeah. And I think that that comes from in part the way our society and lives are structured you know Mm -hmm. like everything is about what you have to show for things it's not necessarily about how you got there how you figured it out it's Mm. the maths equation that you've got at the end of the the test you know or it's like the big 
presentation that you give at work or whatever, but no one sees how you were freaking out before, <laughs> before you get in front of people, you know? No yeah. one sees how you got to the magic. They just care about what you show. Yeah. Um, and I think when it, when it comes to, I think the reason why the different analogies uh, landed for me and uh, is also what I like to offer others is because I think they give us grace. I think when we are working with ourselves, we need to immerse ourselves in grace and compassion Mm -hmm. to be with whatever comes up and to allow us and give us and, and, and grace gives us space around whatever comes up I think it allows us to pause it allows us to notice it allows us to ask further questions you know and sometimes it allows us to just like throw it away for a moment and just like <laughs> get some distance from it because it's not every day that we want to just be deep diving into all the heavy stuff right sometimes we just want to laugh or just like do nothing just sleep and that's allowed (laughs) yes yes and just yeah just like live like I have um you know in my healing journey experienced like a huge like pendulum swing because I was so like I treated it like a job almost it was you know everything Mm -hmm. everything became about my my healing with my chronic illness you know I couldn't almost do anything without it being about that Mm. and then I when I when I kind of stopped that way of of being it's like the the thing the pendulum swung completely in the other direction I was like whoa no I none of that for a minute you know I just Mm want to live like and enjoy Mm -hmm things without thinking oh and how does this contribute to my healing you know it's like mm-hmm. yeah just experience like what is going on and and enjoy that yeah just be present and just be with and I think the pendulum that you described is like all part of the journey mm-hmm. you know sometimes we we're working actively sometimes we're working passively but there's still work happening and I think yeah um I think something else that I have become aware of, I guess, through my own healing journey and through um, being, I guess, in the wellness arena um, <laughs> is that sometimes, <laughs> yeah, weird, weird space to uh, name. <laughs> right. Uh, but um, sometimes we become, I don't want to say, we, I don't want to say that we over-identify with healing but it's almost like that becomes our identity. Like that's all we are. And for me, what I perceive, I I feel like we're healing every day, um, but we are also, but healing is also just kind of like a stage, right? There's life (laughs) beyond the healing. Like we go through healing and then we can live having learned all the things that we learned through our healing journey. And they become resources to be mm-hmm. able to live um, without the trauma, without the, the pain, without the, um, the loss and all the other things that come through our healing journey, you know? So yeah. I think that's kind of what is really present for me right now is just asking people, who do you want to be beyond this pain? Who mm-hmm. do you see yourself to be beyond this? Who are you without it? You know, because I think sometimes we're not able to see ourselves without it or to imagine a life beyond it. But yeah, that was just a thought that pops in. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, totally. And I think that over-identifying really, really hit a note with me, actually, because you do see it so much. This it's, It's like we have to have a label to belong in this kind of Mm -hmm. society that we live in and and it's almost as if like it becomes something you don't realize happening Mm -hmm. you know you don't realize that it happens and yeah I find it a lot with again being in this kind of wellness arena and like even (laughs) even to make that further weird you know more weird the wellness industry right yeah like 
I suppose I operate with within the wellness industry and mm-hmm. it's it's like you have to have you know certain well maybe like a niche or maybe use certain words or terms and sometimes I don't want to use that but it's like Mm -hmm. at the same time you need to be able to communicate with people and for them to understand what you're talking about but then you don't want to over identify with that Mm -hmm. and and for that Mm -hmm. to be all all that it is and it's it's I think that kind of was what got me over the hump sorry going back to this like not wanting to over identify mm-hmm. knowing that I didn't have to identify mm-hmm. was what got me over the hump of like being able to say that I had a chronic illness because I used to mm-hmm. totally reject that idea like even though I lived okay. with one constantly every day it would be like no but I don't have that because I don't want to okay. become that but right. then realizing that I didn't have to become that and that it, mm-hmm. it was just something I experienced was was big for me mm, it is profound yeah mm. it is profound definitely thank you for sharing mm. like your little journey yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's I'm really interested by we've talked a bit about kind of tuning into kind of inner wisdom and something that you um contribute to is your movement and mindfulness part of something called the body remembers is it am I right in saying it's a show or an event or yes so the body remembers is a theater production by uh, that's created by Heather Ajibon mm-hmm. she is a, a black female uh, theater artist Mm-hmm. creator she does so many things she's amazing um but she's created this um piece called the body remembers that is exploring uh black british women's experiences with trauma and how it lives in the body mm. um and the piece kind of ties in um interview responses um through black british women from from Black British women, as well as Heather's own experience, <clears throat> to create the space for the exploration of this conversation about trauma and how it lives in the body. So that's the um, theatre show that has been touring since I think October last year. It's been touring uh, nationally. It's mainly been in London, but then it's going to travel around the rest of the UK um, later this year. And I am uh, working as the movement facilitator uh, that's offering like engagement workshops for people that have seen the show. Yeah. Wow. People that have seen the show to, for them to, I guess, explore the wisdom that the body holds in, in, um, yeah, in an hour long workshop. Wow. and so I suppose that describes what the body remembers perhaps means to you. Is yeah, that it does, it does. It, it does. holds um, these experiences. Definitely. I see the body as a sacred archive of our emotions, our memories, our experiences, um, sometimes, sometimes also ancestral experiences things that are passed through our dna yeah um yeah i see the body as an amazing tool that always shows us what's alive always shows us where things are living and why if we are quiet enough to listen and to hear the body always speaks so yeah that's that's how I see the body <laughs> as well as there are so many other things but it is yeah it, I feel like it's the opening to these uh discoveries something you asked me was what is alive in you today and what is your heart calling for and what does it want to need and wow that question I mean it's you know to tune out all of the noise and to kind of really tune into that into what is a life for me today and I was thinking don't know quietness rest Mm -hmm. and 
something that I'm realizing is that I'm being called to explore sitting with discomfort a bit more mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of a pattern I suppose that is what is life for me today and it was funny to think about that as being like alive like it's almost polar opposites you know discomfort and then being alive it was like oh oh that feels weird but then it feels uncomfortable and you know mm -hmm. it's the it's kind of what is so knee-jerk to run away from mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. definitely I think um I can understand how it kind of felt a bit like like it opposed the question what That's was it. alive for you but I think not at all that's what's present. If discomfort is present, that's okay. I think, um, I imagine part of that may come from like our aversion from discomfort, right? We just do anything <laughs> to, to not be, uh, to not be uncomfortable. Yes. We just run from it. Um, but I think there's something really powerful. It's like pain. Mm -hmm. And I know that this is really, this is obviously within varying degrees but there are lessons within pain that we can't access if we continuously run from it um yeah. and all of our experiences are different and I completely appreciate that <clears throat> but I think every emotion has its wisdom and mm -hmm. discomfort well every emotion and experience has its wisdom and discomfort is just the same it has a lesson it has yeah. wisdom that we will not be able to access unless we're still enough to sit with it and it's mm -hmm. super hard it oh. is so hard <laughs> it's so hard but there are great rewards um when we're able to yeah that as you were talking I was thinking about you know you've mentioned earlier about kind of ancestral trauma or ancestral wisdom in fact being held held in the body and I'd be interested to know your thoughts on on how we in our kind of present day can we learn from that from that ancestral kind of wisdom or trauma or whatever is held in the body in that way do you think we mm -hmm. can kind of if we sit with that is there stuff that we will learn about ourselves and our lives? Definitely. I think, I think there, are, there are things that complement our self-inquiry. Um, and those things, in my experience so far, have been conversations with my mother, conversations with my grandmother, uh, with my sister, with my aunts, um, to kind of, track the things that I've been noticing in my body ask them about it and see how they relate to it and then begin connecting the dots it's almost as if you're creating <laughs> like a I don't know some kind of oh, I don't know what to call it but I just kind of had the image of like loads of different pieces of research and you're kind of like drawing yeah. lines of connection <laughs> um yeah you become an investigator um but it's all to understand the roots of where things come from. Yeah. Um, understanding where they come from in order to decide, okay, is this still, does this serve me? Do mm -hmm. I need it? Do I, yeah, do I, does it resonate for me to continue working with this or can I release it? Can I work to um, transmute it or transcend the, the lesson? Because all the things we carry they're for us to learn something. And yeah. if our grandmother didn't learn it, our mother didn't learn it, then it comes to us, I believe, in my, I guess, in my practice and in my, um, and in my work, um, it comes to me to then decide, okay, is it time for this to be released? Is it time for this to be learnt? Have we had enough of this now? Yeah. <laughs> Can we move forward? Can we add something else to the narrative? Um, depending on whatever it is that we, we find and we discover. So yeah, in my, in my work, um, both artistically, but then also within my healing journey, it's been about discovering what's alive within me, um, but then having conversations about that with my family. Um, 
I guess one way that I've done that artistically is uh, I think in 2018, I presented a body arcana performance in Ghana. Mm -hmm. And uh, that piece uh, was titled The Women I Come From. Um, and it was exploring the shoulders, arms and hands and the act of giving. And um, I guess this came from, I think around that time, my grandma was having issues with her shoulder dislocating. They were, they, it just kept dislocating. Oh and my. Yeah. And my mum also had issues with the same shoulder and my sister also had issues with the same shoulder so I was really curious to see what this part of the body had to tell me what what whether because I didn't have pain in any of the shoulders so I was just curious as to where this was coming from and um what I discovered (laughs) is that the women in my family are they give beyond, I guess, my own <laughs> interpretation of it is sometimes they give beyond reason. Right. They're constantly giving, constantly giving. Even when they don't have, they are giving. And um, my grandma has been like that since she was young. She's always serving, always doing, giving this action. I know I know the listeners can't see, but, <laughs> yeah. but what I'm doing is I'm... Um, reaching out I guess my hands are starting at my heart and they are reaching outward um, in an offering Uh and I'm repeating that motion and that is just symbolic of the action that the women in my family I think women in general but the women in my family are avid givers (laughs) and what I discovered what I discovered through that performance was that when we're constantly giving and our arms are outstretched, there is tension that builds in the arms. Yeah. Like if we were to hold our arms out for five minutes. Yeah, I'm doing it now. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually tension would build and there'd be fatigue that right. is that would build up in our in our arms. But then also I became curious about like how do we give to ourselves if our arms are always outstretched? How do we serve ourselves? What does it mean to serve the self in order to be able to give? How yeah. can we make sure our cup is full? Um, and, and how do we give with the excess? Like if a, if a cup is being poured into and there's overflow, um, how do we learn to give from our overflow as opposed to what we don't have in our cup? Does yeah. that make sense? Total. Yeah, so so all of this came through the performance and I had conversations with my grandma about um, how much she does and how much she doesn't need to do because she's surrounded by people that can do those things for her. But then, of course, like if you have grown for 60, 70 years being such an active person, there's mm-hmm. a lot that needs to be unlearned and relearned, you know, so... Yeah, all of these amazing conversations followed this performance or at least, yeah, fed into this um, exploration of this part of my body. Um, But then I think following that, changes were made. Like my grandma doesn't do as much as she needs to. Her shoulder hasn't been dislocating, you know. My mum has become more aware of that part of her body as has my sister, you know. So it's just all a really really insightful journey to to go on to tune into what's alive or to see what you notice in the people around you to become more aware of yourself and your lineage you know so yeah yeah (laughs) that gave me like maybe a bit teary actually (laughs) just listening to that because I think I mean incredible that that you know wisdom that came through you has has inspired change in your grandmother and your mother and your sister I think that's that's so cool and it's actually not often that people are always open or receptive to that Uh, and so I think that's really cool for a start and secondly I just I so agree I so am with you on this idea that 
you know, what our grandmothers didn't learn, what our mothers didn't learn, it comes up in a generation. And, and this is kind of my belief and it will come up and it will be, and I think a lot of this links to kind of my belief about chronic illness and the purpose. I, you know, I, I hesitate on using that word of the purpose of chronic illness, but mm-hmm. one of its purposes is perhaps to look at at these patterns to look at mm-hmm. it's like going beyond yourself and and looking at what what is happening here what what's being asked of me what what is my calling in a way and mm-hmm. how is my body raising that with me mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i you know, there is so much courage and so much resilience in in living with chronic illness, but also in women, in, you know, in families, in, I think, in everybody in, in the world right now, actually. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. to allow that to, you know, inspire change and looking at kind of where we want this world to go where we want humanity to go like that that just makes me hopeful I think Mm -hmm. definitely I think yeah (laughs) the world has been quite wild for the past uh two to three years I guess Mm. (laughs) and um a lot of the time that can become disheartening we can get lost and take on a lot of the collective anxiety or fear <clears throat> about these external things that we can't control. But I feel that our power, yeah, our power lies within ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like if we're able to come home to ourselves, if we're able to move and shift things from within, then we're already making a significant energetic impact on the world that we have control of. We don't have control over what's going on in different parts of the world. We don't have control over this pandemic. We don't have control over all of these big things that can be overwhelming, but we have control over our breath. Mm -hmm. We have control over just being able to drop into the breath to notice its flow as we inhale and exhale. We have control over observing its texture, how the breath feels as it's moving through our body. We have control over noticing what sensations are alive in different parts of the body and what these, yeah, bringing our imagination into it a little bit and just asking these sensations what they have to tell us. We have control over taking these learnings about our breath into a drawing to make it visual. We have the ability to then write from that drawing, continuing the conversation about what our breath has to tell us today. Mm. When we tune inward, we have control and we can move, shift, change, release, play, Uh, celebrate, honour what's alive within our universe, the universe of our body. Once we do that and we can be grounded in that and we begin to share our insights with maybe the people that are closest to us, our loved ones, and they begin to ask similar questions and tune into their breath. It's like a ripple effect, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, um, yeah, we begin to indirectly (laughs) or unintentionally change our environment that way but through the inside out if that makes sense total and you just led me through a lovely moment there and I think everyone listening that that was a nice I just closed my eyes and I listened for a minute and this yeah, it, it just draws such a juxtaposition with what everybody kind of 
feels they should be doing or this this outward performance performative expression of helping of changing of doing and all the while that outward stuff is going on it's taking away from this opportunity to go in and as you were saying about your inner universe sometimes I kind of imagine my my body and my brain and my kind of what's that word like cosmos or you know just mm-hmm. the, the the sphere, sphere that, that kind of word is mm-hmm. coming into my head but like an energetic field it's like this kind of um utopia almost like I just imagine green trees and birds mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. blue sky and like kind of like did you ever watch the land before time when you were younger when I don't know it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. the dinosaur thing <laughs> yeah and they're like going through the like rocky horrible and then they come to this green like Utopia, Eden. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes like I like to think about my my inner self as you know and working on my inner self is kind of feeding this this Eden this utopia this like and and allowing it to grow and flourish and as you say so then indirectly we can make this change and indirectly people start to listen and tune in and oh you know take note and think about maybe I want to try a bit of that and and Mm. it's like as you say this ripple effect and like paying it forward almost yeah I love that I think I really love that I think the the more that we're able to anchor ourselves within this Eden the more tangible it becomes in our imagination the more we'll be able to align with the frequency of that space and we'll be able to embody it you know and as woozy as this may sound (laughs) (laughs) I believe I believe like our alignment with that space, that bliss, will change the way we think, change the way we speak, change um, and like have an impact on the decisions that we make. Yeah. And that in itself, again, it's like the center of the, like when we drop a pebble into the water, yeah. it's like the pebble, right? It's the thing that causes the ripple. Yeah. So just by aligning with that space of bliss and dwelling there it begins to change the way you think the way you feel in your body um it relieves anxiety it relieves tension um there are so many benefits from this inner landscape that we align ourselves with you know yeah. So mm. i yeah i think that's beautiful i love that mm. <laughs> It's like loving it into growth, I kind of see. Definitely, definitely. Things only grow from love, right? Right. Um, I think truth emerges from love and compassion. And I think um, there's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves when we perceive ourselves as these projects or these broken things. And um, it's not my belief that we're broken. It's my belief that we're here to learn a particular thing at a particular time. And those lessons come in different forms. Uh, We experience them through these vessels, through these bodies. (laughs) Um, But we are just here to learn and evolve. That's my personal belief. And once we, we tap into these key aspects of learning, like it's, it's just, I always believe that lessons, things keep, experiences keep coming back around until you're ready to learn the lesson. Yeah. Um, it can happen in relationships. It can happen in jobs. It can happen in anything that is happening in our lives. But you'll, you'll notice a pattern of similar things happening. And they happen in that way because we haven't learned the lesson right. yet. And, um, and I think if we are able to see ourselves as souls that are here to evolve, it kind of lessens the pressure mm-hmm. that we feel that uh, of needing to fix this thing. And it just, there's like my, my hands are kind of 
in a clenched yeah <laughs> they're clenching or grabbing and there's like a lot of tension in my fingers as I'm describing this but it kind of lessens the pressure of us having to um fix this and be right now and it needs to look good and it has to look this way and it, if it doesn't look that way then I'm wrong I'm bad I'm not enough <laughs> all of these judgments you know and we have them all of us yeah yeah <laughs> on a daily basis and it is a living practice to separate yourselves from that way of thinking um to adopt more compassion more gratitude more grace more space because mm. we are souls here to evolve and that's it well in my practice in my belief <laughs> yeah I love yeah. that you've brought the word evolve in because like oh my god how much do we think that we need to be the, the end product that like we're not we're never nobody's ever going to be like the finished thing we're just a stage in evolution mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that takes so much pressure off so much pressure and then you can just be and it's in the stillness of being that the revelations or the the inner voice can speak and can be heard because a lot of the time our mind is just like telling telling the inner voice like yeah this is what it is this is what all of this noise and don't get me wrong the brain the mind is such a powerful gift it's a wonderful gift however when we are able to quiet it and we're able to drop into the heart drop into the breath drop into the body we can connect to things that are true because sometimes our mind just works in a way to protect us and there may not be any danger but it is triggered because of for whatever reason for whatever stress um, in response to whatever stressor is present at the time and yes it has its place it has its um function but a lot of the time we can dwell too much in that part of ourselves Mm -hmm. so I just kind of invite everyone to to open up to what other wisdom is available for us if we just pause the mind we're not shutting it down we're not closing the door to it we're not uh, cancelling the mind <laughs> but we're just <laughs> quieting it we're just getting it to just shh, just calm down a little bit so I can see what else is going on here you know <laughs> yeah yeah <sighs> I love that. That is beautiful. Oh, Leslie, thank you so, so much for joining oh, me this thank evening. You, Alana. Um, thank you, Alana. You've got a couple. Oh, you're my pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. Um, you've got a couple of things coming up. Um, if you just want to talk about those and sure. to share sure, those yeah. with people. Oh, thank you. Um, okay, so I have a um, movement and mindfulness workshop in conjunction with the body remembers um mm-hmm. but it's going to be held at brixton house on the 19th of march so in a couple of weeks 19th of march 2022 that's an hour-long workshop for black women for all those that identify as women um, who have seen the show to kind of explore their body wisdom that's going to be at brixton house in london Mm-hmm. I think the time is 9.45, but you can find out more information on my Instagram. All the information will be on my Instagram if it's not already. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first thing. And then secondly, I think there's recently been an um, article. I've been featured in an article within uh, Black Ballad um, that shares about alternative wellness practices for black women Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm featured um, amongst or alongside two other amazing practitioners so I think the link for that is also in my Instagram so you can check that out there and then lastly in May I will have a body arcana performance at um, Milton Keynes Gallery um, and that will be followed by a body arcana workshop on the following day so May 20th is the performance and then um, May 21st is the workshop at Milton Keynes Gallery but there'll be information on the Instagram page. <laughs> Amazing and Thank I will you. also link link, in, link to everything in my show notes. What is your Instagram so that people can oh, go check it out? <laughs> 
good, good point. I didn't mention that. It's <laughs> at Layersland. So at L-A-Y-A-S-L-A, what? L-A-N-D. Yes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so Layersland. I got there in the end. I was like, wait, that sounds funny. <laughs> Am I spelling it right? Yeah, so at Layers Land. <laughs> but I'm sure if you just type in my name to Instagram, then you can you'll find yeah. me. <laughs> Wicked. Yeah. Thank you so much again. And it's been a real pleasure talking to you and just being taken through everything you've talked about. It's 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 felt really um therapeutic actually. Oh, wow. Well, it is my honour. Thank you so much for having me. It was a joy to speak to you and connect to you. I know we've been kind of um, exchanging for a while over Instagram, so it was lovely to have the time to talk to you for a little bit longer. So thank you so much. Honestly, recording that episode was like a bit of therapy for me. Thank you so much, Leslie. You can find all of Leslie's links in the show notes. And if you want to join the conversation of reframing your chronic illness on a more regular basis, and when this podcast is on season breaks, I'd love to welcome you to my newsletter. You can find the link in the show notes or by heading to alanaholloway.com. Whilst you're here, I'd love for you to take a minute to rate, review and share this podcast. As you've probably guessed by my ramblings, this way of thinking about chronic illness isn't the norm, but I want it to be. I want more people to be freed from the chronic illness struggle. And the way we make that happen is by sharing something the algorithm, which is dictated by rates and reviews is fantastic at doing. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Bringing on board the right kind of support can be the missing piece of the puzzle that so many of us don't realise we actually need. What would you do if you had the most epic support squad by your side? What would that unleash in you and what would it make possible for you in your life? If you're wondering how to start figuring that out, if you've got no idea where to start, I've got the perfect thing for you. My quiz, are you more Michelle, Gaga or Mindy? And what would their support squad unleash in you is now live. You can find the link to it in the show notes and in the bio. Don't wait another moment. Hop on over to the quiz to find out who you're channeling now.